Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. The Milky Way. It's the new book. It's out in stores right now, and it's written by Ganell Lars' daughter. And Ganell is right here with me at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to chat all about this book. Ganell, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Corey. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here, Ganell. Can you tell me all about the Milky Way? What can readers expect when they crack it open? All right. Let me just first put one thing straight. I have not written this book. This is a translation. This is translation from the Swedish poem, which in Swedish is Wintergatan, Winter Street, it means which is what they call the Milky Way over there. Hmm. So it was written way over a thousand years, a uh, hundred years ago, to the very end of the 1800s. And at that time, it actually became just about the most popular poem in Scandinavia, or at least in Sweden at that time. Hmm. I came upon it in school, in high school in Sweden, and I just fell in love with this poem. I was only 16 years old. I found it very romantic and beautiful and all that. And then I forgot all about it, of course. Then over time, I came, we came to this country. I actually finished high school over here. And it wasn't until, so we're talking way back now in the 1950s, you see. I'm way up there. <laughs> and so it wasn't until about, oh, 2015 or so, that I was sitting, I lived on Peaks Island on an island at the time, and I'm sitting there looking at the ocean, and somehow I had gotten, I found the old book from my high school year in Sweden. So I started looking at it, and remember um, seeing some of the poems that I remember from way back then, and then all of a sudden, here is Wintergatan, the Milky Way. Mm. And I read it, and I remembered how fond of it I was way back when, and I thought, Oh, I can't wait for my husband to come home. I want to translate. I want to read it for him, you know. Mm. But then I realized, too, I've done plenty of translating and translations. You don't just sit and, and translate by looking, especially a poem that needs to rhyme and has its own beauty. Mm. And I thought, no, I can't just sit down and translate word by word. It doesn't work that way. And so I need to go to work on this one so I can translate it and my husband and my teenage granddaughter, etc. you know, I was hoping to be able to write in such a way that teenagers here, as, as I had been, would like it also. Mm. Because when I decided to do it, I thought there must be a nice translation out there already. And there were some, but they, the ones I found were sounding very old wayish, if mm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I knew my granddaughter is not going to go for this. <laughs> you know? I need to write this in a cadence that sounds like we're talking now. And I decided to set out for my own translation. Wow. So it's been over the years because it's been very slow. And I've also been very busy as it is. And the very first 
translation I did, I actually showed, I was very insecure, and I showed it to a Swedish friend of mine, but she didn't say anything. And I thought, oh, maybe she didn't like it. <laughs> so then I put it on the shelf for a while, you know, and then I thought, yeah, you know, try it again and again. So I worked at it, and it was in 2015 that my friend Jamie Hogan, who is a wonderful illustrator, she's a wonderful artist and extremely busy. And she has, a, I think, more than a dozen books behind her that she has illustrated. And we were sitting there talking, probably having coffee. And I said, I want to show you a poem that I've been working on, a translation here. And I showed it to her, what I had written down, and she really liked it. And I said, do you think this could be illustrated? And she went, hmm, yeah, hmm. I'd love to try it. And so it has been. She has at times been extremely busy, so have I. So it's been up and down, up and down and coming. So since 2015, here we are, what? At least six, you know, four years or five to seven years later. I know this beautiful book is going to inspire a lot of readers. I encourage my listeners to go and check it out. The title is The Milky Way. It's written, or actually translated, by Ganelle Larsdotter. And it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Ganell, it's been a delight having you on the show here today and finding out about the Milky Way and all the wonderful things that you're doing. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you. It was delightful talking with you. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Dijon D. Robertson. Dijon, thanks for joining me here on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. You got a new book out in stores right now, and I just wanted to say congratulations. It's called Poetic Chronicles of a Mentally Controlled Heart. Dijon, can you tell me about this book? This book is dedicated to my dad, whom passed away in 2014. Mm. I found my talent, apparently, after he passed away, and I just decided to put my emotions into writing and came up with this book, Poetic Chronicles of a Mentally Controlled Heart. Mm. How long did it take you to write this all, collect all the poetry, and put it through all those publishing hoops? It didn't take too long. My biggest hump was worrying about whether I wanted to publish it or, you know, how to go about publishing, you know, my very first book. Overall completion, it took about two years, but it sat for a while. And I was like, you know, what, let me just go ahead and publish it. And I found, you know, some publishers and we made it happen. Mm. What did you find the most challenging part about that whole thing? A title. The title. How did the title come about? The title came about I wanted to express myself. I wanted my readers to understand that before you open this book, one, it is poetry, as well as chronicles. Chronicles meaning order. So the way I wrote my book is the exact same order that I wrote. You know, the way my book is published is the exact same order of the way I wrote my poems. And with that being said, each poem has a heartfelt meaning. So as I was writing, I began to feel it. So I just, you know, put the pen to the paper, came up with this title, Poetic Chronicles of a Mentally Controlled Heart, to let people know that even though, you know, no one's around, your heart and your mind, you know, goes together and it will always understand itself. I could only imagine the moment that you finally got to hold the real thing, the first physical copy when you got that in. Dijon, what was that moment like for you? It was like, I can't believe it. It was a very emotional moment because it, it happened. It mm. happened. 
and I've been waiting so long. So it was very special, very, very, very special moment at the time. Do you think you'll be publishing more in the future? I do. I'm actually working on a second book now. I won't say the title, <laughs> but I'm actually working on a second book. It's not going to be poetry. Uh, it's going to be more on the memoir side. Now, publishing a book for the first time, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. It's a huge process. So, Dijon, do you have any advice, any sorts of words of wisdom that you could offer to authors just starting out? Follow your heart. Follow your mind. It'll definitely guide you in the direction that you want to go. Like I said, I've just held on to this piece of literature for a while, not knowing that my story will actually mean something to many people across the world. Actually, I have gotten a lot of great reviews. So my whole point is don't hesitate. Just keep going. Don't stop and get it on, get it out and get it published. <laughs> mm, great advice. Deshaun, are you the kind of writer that has a routine, like you like to get up early and write or stay up super late at night and write? Or do you just find yourself writing whenever those ideas are coming? I don't. And believe it or not, that's how I completed this book. I just, I was just writing and there was no specific time, a day. I didn't wake up doing it. I didn't go to sleep, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to write today before I go to sleep. No, there was no specific time. I just, as it came to me, I wrote it and it just began to make sense. So I read on with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, knowing that you're a published author now, your work is out there for the world. What's the most rewarding thing for you of knowing that? The most rewarding thing is understanding that after reading this book, that there are many, many people out there that can relate to me, my situation, to know that each piece of literature hits somebody different. There I have gotten a lot of reviews about whose favorite poem is whose and why. And it just means a lot knowing that, you know, you're not in a situation by yourself. And I went through a lot. This this book came out, you know, being stuck in depression and to understand that somebody else can relate. It definitely, definitely gives me high hopes of writing another book. Hmm. I think a lot of readers out there are going to enjoy this book. And I encourage my listeners to give it a shot. The title is Poetic Chronicles of a Mentally Controlled Heart. This is written by Dijon D. Robertson, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dijon, thank you again for coming on the show, telling me all about your poetry, all about the exciting things you got going on. I really enjoyed our time together tonight. No problem. Thank you for having me. Joining me again here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author A.E. Lee. Amanda, welcome back. Thank you for being here with me again. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you back on the show, Amanda. You have a new children's book out in stores called Always. So can you tell mm -hmm. me what this one's about? Yeah. So, you know, as we discussed before when I was on your show for my memoir, Unfortunately, I am a domestic violence survivor, and my children witnessed a lot of it. Oh. And when we were going through everything, I was desperately searching for something to provide comfort for them. I was looking for something to put in their words to help them, and I couldn't find the right niche. I couldn't find the right children's book. And that's really what inspired me to write this. It comes from what I used to say to my son every night to try and reassure him that while this really scary thing happened in his little world, because he was only five at the time, mm. I was always going to be there and I was always going to protect him. Wow, this is a really important book, Amanda. Thank you so much for writing this. When it comes to children's books, is this your first time doing that? Yes, yes. First time. 
wasn't even really sure what to do, but I just kind of wrote down, honestly, what happened almost every single night in my house for a year. He would come into my room in the middle of the night and I would look like half awake, like, what What do you need? And he'd be there with his, I changed the animal in the book, but he had a duck. He'd be there with his ducky and he'd want to, daddy was really mad. Were you scared? I was scared. And he'd want me to say over and over again, reassuring words and tuck him back in. And one of the last pictures in the book is the mother like staring into her son's bedroom and just kind of like leaning at the doorway. And I did that for both my children. I have a son and a daughter. I remember many nights just staring at them, just thanking God that we were we were all safe. Amanda, would you say that Always is a book that's better suited for younger children or a little bit of older children, or is it beneficial for the whole gamut? You know, I would say probably younger children. My children right now are seven and eight, and I wrote it for them when they were four and five. It's definitely like lower elementary school. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know, a 12-year-old would get much value out of it, but you never know. Absolutely. So your first time doing a children's book, did this take you a long time to do, especially when it came to the illustrations and things like that? Yeah, I'm not I'm not an artist by any means. I mean, stick figures are a stretch for me. So <laughs> <laughs> luckily, my publisher, Fulton Books, has amazing illustrators on hand, and I was able to pick one of them. Well, say there are more people out there who want to write a children's book. What did you learn along the way that maybe they could find valuable? There was quite a bit of editing for a children's book that I just didn't anticipate. I mean, it truly is a picture children's book with like maybe a sentence or two on each page. So I kind of thought it would be an easier process than actually writing a book for adults without pictures. But it was just as time consuming and took almost just as long. Mm. Would you say all in all that this was an easy book for you to write? You know, there's so much trauma behind and so much pain behind it. But would you say this was an easy or a hard book for you overall? It wasn't a hard book to write. Well, putting the words down on paper was not hard because, like I said, it was something that I had said to him over and over and over again. What the hard part was when I actually got a physical copy and I was months and months, I'd been looking at the illustrations and I'd been giving notes about how they need to look at each other and watching this as I'm flipping through the pages. And it was almost a reenactment of what I went through for several years reassuring my children. And that was the hard part for me. And when you think about the importance of this kind of book and, and the other book that you wrote, Amanda, uh, one of the lucky ones, what would you say is the most rewarding thing to you about knowing that your work's out there, that you're sending out this valuable information to the world? You know, the most amazing thing to me has been the feedback that I've gotten of people, number one, like, not that I have a huge ego and need to be praised, but praising me about how they couldn't put it down. And they're so you know, proud of me and and in awe of what I went through and how I was able to get out. But also when it's read by someone who is also a domestic violence survivor and they're telling me, you know, I haven't been able to connect with someone on this level until I was reading your words. Well, the message of this book is truly fantastic. It's something that a lot of people out there need. And Amanda, thank you again for writing this. I encourage my listeners to go check it out. It's titled Always. It's written by A.E. Lee and published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can grab it up everywhere like Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Amanda, it's been wonderful speaking with you again here and just hearing about all these wonderful things that you've been doing. It's been really nice talking with you again. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. The Structure of Perseverance is the new book in stores right now, written by author Stanley Slaska. 
and he's right here with me now, and we get to talk all about this new book. Stanley, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. It's really exciting to get a new book out. Stanley, can you tell me what you've written about in The Structure of Perseverance? It's about awareness of your surroundings, and it dissects what's around you to give you a perspective on how it's impacting your life. Stanley, what sorts of readers do you think would be into this book? The earliest age. I think they should teach this in schools so people will complete their mission in life. Hmm. Uh, You say this is a book that will help people overcome their obstacles and get past them. And I would assume that you've gone through an awful lot of obstacles yourself in your life that inspired this. Yes, I have. I was in the military, but I was a very poor person. Mm. I was up against a lot in my life. Stanley, how long did it take you to write this? It took me a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I've been working on it for probably about 20 years. Mm. Is this the first time you've been published or have written a book? No, I I got other books. Mm. I got another book. It's, It's of a new country. And then it has, like, guidebooks and my vision of what the country should look like. Now, Stanley, whenever you get the first copy in, after you've worked on it all that time, you've just been seeing things up on the computer screen all that time, what's it like when you finally get that first physical hard copy and you get to hold it for the first time? It's exciting. Mm. And a lot of people listening to us right now, Stanley, are authors who are just starting out. Do you have any advice that you could offer to aspiring authors? You got to slowly write down notes on what your book is going to be about. You can't just write a book all in one day. It's a process where you write notes down and you organize the notes into a template, into a book. Mm. I have a feeling, Stanley, you might have more books in you. Have you thought about writing more? Yes, I have. I'm kind of stumped at the time, (laughs) particularly right now I'm stumped. (laughs) You know, we all get writer's block sometimes when we're writing, Stanley. How do you get past things like that, where you want to write, but the ideas just aren't coming out? I guess you just slowly start the process over again, where you have an idea in your, of the title of your book, and you just write it down, and then you just gradually fill it in. It was a really arduous task for me. I slowly did it. The first sentence would come to me, and then I just kind of filled it in from there. And I had a lot of rough drafts on the book before I finally sent it in. And now that you've written so much, you've published some books, Stanley, to you, what's the most rewarding aspect of now calling yourself a published author? Well, what it is is they can never take that title away from you. Mm. It's like having a kid. If you don't have kids, it's like having a kid, and they can never take that title away from you. Stanley, who inspires you in your life, especially when it comes to the kinds of things that you're writing? My family. Mm. Now, the cover to a book is really important. You know, you're writing a book, you think of the words that you're going to put in the book, but it's really important what that thing looks like. Stanley, what kind of thought went into your cover? It had to do with color coding. I wanted it to have a good color coding. I knew the color red is extremely bold, and it means many things. Like, red means conquering other things. Mm. So I wanted it to be bold because it's really a book about being number one. I wanted to make everybody 
number one. And this is a book I think a lot of people are really going to be into, and I encourage my listeners to check it out. The title is The Structure of Perseverance. It's written by Stanley Slaska, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Stanley, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a nice time chatting with you tonight. I had a nice time chatting with you. This book aims to help readers draw closer to God. It's called On My Knees, Preparing to Enter the Throne Room. It's written by Terry Edwards, and I'm delighted that Terry is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We get to talk all about this book. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Corey. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for having me. Well, it's exciting that you're here and that we're going to talk about On My Knees. Terry, can you tell me what this book's all about? Yes, I would love to, Corey. It's about prayer and how to approach God's throne. It's to inspire others to spend time with God and to equip them on how to pray with purpose and with effective prayers. And it gives them many examples of prayer. And so I just want people to draw close to God and know how to do it and be able to just hear Him and feel Him as they speak to Him and know that He's listening to them. Mm. Terry, would you say this is a book then that is best for believers as opposed to the unbelievers? I think it's for everyone, Corey. I think it's anyone who's struggling. And there's so many people that are struggling out there in life. And I think that it can give hope and peace and strength and encouragement. And yes, as they go through all this and they start praying, whether they know God or not, that He will make Himself known to them and then draw them close to them. And then they will start to see Him in their life. So I, I believe it's for everybody. Oh, that's wonderful. Terry, can you tell me the story behind this book? How did this come about? How'd you get the idea? Okay, well, I was on my porch painting, and I had just finished the last step of painting, and the thought came, write a prayer book. Hmm. And I'm thinking, write a prayer book? Okay, Lord, you know I don't like to write a text or an email, but write a prayer book. <laughs> okay, Lord. So if I'm going to write a prayer book, I need your help. And as I began to pray, he started to really outline what it was all about and how he wanted it. And at that point, he reminded me that I had been writing prayers to my son, Christopher, who was diagnosed with cancer at the time. Mm. And I was writing prayer books, and the first thought was, okay, I'll just write all 365 days of prayer. But then God just showed me what it was supposed to be like and just help people to find him and to look for him. And through it all, just give them encouragement and hope when times are tough mm. and nowhere to go. Because I think we end so lost and so hurt and so much in pain. We don't know where to go and what to turn to and what to say. And so I have this like little acronym I use, ASAP, always stop and pray. I love it. I want everybody just to know that and to feel that and to do that, right? Just look up. He's there. He's ready. So, Terry, I'm assuming this is the first time you've written a book, first time you've been published? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, congratulations. So, did this take you a long time to put together and get published? You know, the writing of it took about three months, the first draft. And then, of course, you have to edit. The editing process is a lot longer, but... And I think that's because I just was committed to doing it. I committed to the Lord. And, you know, that verse, it became my verse was commit to the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed. And I just kept mm. saying, God, I'm committing this to you. So Lord, help me to do it. 
I want your words, Lord, not mine. And so just fill me with them. And he reminded me of different things as he began to show me topics and everything. And the prayer book is a little bit different than some prayer books in the way that it just is how to approach his throne. And I want people to see that, to feel that, to know that we go before his throne. And I want them to find a place to have silence and just spend it with him, no distractions just to spend time with him. And I talk about that in the book. I talk about how God brought me to my knees in prayer. I do that in the morning, but it's, you know, quite a story in the book about that. And I'll never forget that experience being brought to my knees. And basically what he was doing, he was humbling me and having me submit and surrender. And so that's the pieces that I think we all need to do is come before our mighty God, looking to him and just say, Lord, help me and help my thoughts be in line with your will for me. Well, I encourage my listeners to eliminate all their distractions and go pick up this book because I think they're going to get a lot out of it. It's titled On My Knees, Preparing to Enter the Throne Room. It's written by Terry Edwards and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick it up everywhere, like at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Terry, thank you again so much for coming on the show and telling me about this wonderful book. I really had a nice time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I so appreciate you having me. The Longest Half Inch, a new look at the relevance of our life's journey. That's the new book written by Russ Seal, and it just hits stores. Russ is sitting with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to talk all about it. Russ, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Russ, can you tell me all about The Longest Half Inch? It's a spiritual look at our life journey, and it takes us pretty much, you know, from where we're at now to the point where we cross over into eternal life and God's presence. Russ, what kind of readers do you think would get the most out of it? I think anybody that's an adult, probably anyone that has a spiritual inclination to them, they think they would appreciate the look at it. Hmm. And can you tell me what lit the spark for you to write this? What was your inspiration? I'm uh, in my mid-80s right now, so I've been through a bit of life. And as I was going through, I'd make notes, and I kept the notes. And then about a year ago, I decided to gather all those notes together and make them into a book. And that was it. Hmm. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to putting a book together or being published? Nope. This is my first time adventure. Wow. Russ, congratulations. You know, so many people say, someday I'm going to write a book. And then they never do. (laughs) You did it. So that's a huge thing. It's a lot of work, big time investment. Congratulations and kudos to you. Well, it's fun. It's been an experience, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you learned an awful lot, Russ. Do you have any advice now? You know, a lot of people listening are authors just starting out. They're early in their journey. What did you learn that maybe you could offer as valuable to them? Well, I think it's all about your relationship with God as you go through life. When you reach the end of life and you cross over into his presence, then he's going to be there to welcome you home. So it's an exciting journey. Enjoy it as you go. Learn as you go. And look forward to what you have coming up. Now, you said this took you about a year to work on before it hit shelves. So what was that moment like, Russ, whenever you finally got to hold the first physical copy in after you've been working on it, you know, probably on the computer all that time, and now you get to hold this thing that you created? What was that like? Well, that was a surprise. (laughs) I never saw my name in print before. It was kind of exciting, and and I've enjoyed it ever since. And it's been kind of a new journey in this point in my life. 
So for you, now that you are published, you're a published author now, Russ, what's the most rewarding thing to you about that? Probably mostly, like I said earlier, surprise. I never expected to be an author. My life journey has been more in the accounting side, and we owned a company that wrote software for the clinical systems and the financial systems for nursing home industry for 30 years. So this is an entire different look at what I've been doing. And it's hard to do something like this alone, Russ. Did you have people who knew you were taking this on and they could be there to maybe encourage and motivate you along the way? Nope. Just did it all my own. <laughs> and my wife was with me, and she's always been a great support in everything that I've done. So that's where my encouragement came from. And her name's Hope, so that gives you a lot of hope. That's perfect. <laughs> and a lot of us writers, sometimes we, we get writer's block. You know, you sit down to write and just you can't get the words out. You can't get the ideas flowing. Do you battle things like that, Russ, when you write? Uh, no, not really. It just all kind of flowed together. So I guess I missed that part of the writer's block. <laughs> it just came to me, and I credit it all to God. Mm. He's the one that prodded me to do it. and I think it's his message as much as mine. And when you were writing, did you have a sort of a routine for it? Did you maybe get up early in the morning and write a little bit or maybe stay up late at night? Or did you find yourself writing whenever the time and maybe the ideas were coming to you? I think probably most of it was in the evening. You know, at my age, you don't get up that early. <laughs> so, But the notes that I made over the course of my lifetime, those happened as whatever the occasion occurred. Well, that's fantastic. I think a lot of readers are going to be blessed by this book. It's titled The Longest Half Inch, A New Look at the Relevance of Our Life's Journey. This is written by Russ Seal and is published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Russ, it was great having you on the show tonight. I appreciate your being here. It was great learning about the longest half-inch and about your life. I enjoyed our time. Okay, well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Sitting down right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Carla Adams. Carla, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I just wanted to congratulate you. You have a new book out right now. It's titled, So Much Goes Into Who I Am, Living with Alopecia, I Wore Wigs. Carla, can you tell me what readers can find here? Yes. My book talks about my life growing up with alopecia. It also talks about my marriage and my relationships while living with alopecia being such an uncurable condition. It also talks about the different stages of alopecia. While dealing with alopecia, it talks about my family and finally being able to accept alopecia and the different stages of alopecia. I'm sure this took a lot of courage to write, Carla. Thank you so much for putting this out. What sparked you? What gave you the inspiration to write this book and publish your story? Well, I actually wanted to inspire others that may have suffered with the same condition that I'm suffering with. Mm. And also, I wanted to enlighten people about what alopecia was, and I needed to find the best way to do it. And that was to put it in a book. It's a fantastic idea. Thank you. So have you ever done anything like this before, or is this the first time you've gone into this arena? Never, never in a million years would I <laughs> thought I would be actually writing a book about any condition, let's not having the condition, never. So did this take you a really long time to write and then put through that publishing process? Actually, not. 
not as long as I thought it would take. It took me about a month to write the book and, you know, going back and forth with making sure that it was edited right. It took about another three, four months. So everything turned out to work out really good for me. Fantastic. Yeah, a lot of time and a lot of hard work goes into doing something like this. So I'm sure that moment when you finally got that first copy in the mail and you got to hold this thing that you had created in your hands, I'm sure that was a really special moment for you. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was very special. It was. I was elated to even get the book in my hand just knowing that I was a author of a book. Mm. Have you given any thought to doing it again, maybe writing another book, seeking more publishing? I am currently working on my second book, yes. Fantastic. Is it along these lines, is it a follow-up of sorts to this, or are you exploring something else? Yes, it's along these lines. It's a follow-up of my book, because in order to publish this first book, I had to learn how to love myself. Mm. So this second book is like almost like daily affirmation, the things that I had to do or say to encourage myself to be able to realize that my self-love mattered and the way that I look matters. Hmm. Carla, I love all the positivity that you're putting out into the world. It's really amazing. So do you have any words of wisdom that you could offer to authors who are just starting out? You know, I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of doing this kind of thing for the first time. Yes, yes. I would encourage anyone, if you have a story and you want your story to be told, you want your story to be read. You want to be able to inspire and encourage other readers who may have similar conditions. Be authentic. Be yourself and be the best that you can be when you're writing. Own your story. Own what you put out to the public. Well, Carla, I can tell you're going to be a huge inspiration to so many people. But who inspires you, especially when it comes to how you live your life and your writing? First of all, I got I got to give God the glory for allowing me to be able to have the faith, the courage, and the strength to put out my life before millions of people. And God, he opened doors that no man can open. And this door was open for me. I had to accept alopecia. I had to realize that I was who God had created. So I was inspired just knowing that I was created as a human being in order to be a service to God, to be a blessing to other people. So God would be my encouragement. I know this book is going to bring hope and inspiration to a lot of people out there. And Carla, thank you so much for writing this. It's titled, So Much Goes Into Who I Am, Living with Alopecia, I Wore Wigs. It's written by Carla Adams, and it's published by Fulton Books. And you can grab it up anywhere, like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Carla, thank you so much again for joining me and telling me about your story and this great book. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Yes, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. This book says it will capture your mind as it subdues your imagination. It's called Timeless Beings, and it's written by Andrew J. Miller. I'm talking with Andrew right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Pastor Drew, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you here. Can you tell me what readers are in store for with Timeless Beings? They're in store for a lot. They're in store for a new experience in how they understand God's Word and the more complex issues that people come up with. Hmm. And what sorts of readers were you speaking to here? 
The book speaks to individuals who are just coming into their relationship with God, as well as people who have been in a relationship with God for quite some time. It kind of runs the gamut of people who just really want to get a deeper understanding and find a new source of strength when it comes to studying God's Word. And where did the idea or the inspiration for this come from? What made you to decide, i got to write this book? Well, because I, I ran into a lot of people who would ask me questions about subjects like the gap theory or where was Jesus born? How did he live through his early years? And just kind of things like that. Now, the Bible covers where Jesus is born, and it actually covers where he was at for his early years. But in order to actually understand those things, a lot of times you literally have to read God's Word and, and understand the essence of it. And so, like, when we talk about Jesus' birthplace, we know that where he was born at, and we know that he was born in Bethlehem, and then we know that he lived in Nazareth. But what they don't realize a lot of times is that he spent some of his earlier years in Egypt, for instance. People don't really get that because they read over that part. And then they don't realize that he was back in his hometown by the time he had to go for a census. And then when they would have their yearly or travel off to meetings, he was about 12 years old at that time. And so we really can kind of chart from the time Jesus was born all the way up until he actually got into ministry if we just read the Word of God. I mean, and it's right there. And then the gap theory is something that people a lot of times wonder about. They wonder, well, was it a literal seven days of creation or was there a thousand years in each day or, or, how, or, or many years in each day because of what the Bible talks about? We're just not sure, but that's not true. It was a literal seven days of creation and God rested on that seventh day as we know. But I kind of talk about in the book how a person could look at the gap theory and understand it in accordance with the Bible. And so I kind of give both sides of that. But that, those aren't the only two topics. There are a lot of topics that people have had problems understanding with God's Word, and we just kind of tackle those topics head on. Pastor Drew, so many books about theology tend to be a little difficult. People get turned off by the academic nature of them a lot of times. How easy is this one to read? Oh, this is really, really easy to read. In fact, we wrote it at a sixth grade level for that reason. We use the complex issues but we broke it down to where if a person can read at a sixth grade level, they would definitely be able to understand the concepts of the book. When you wrote this and we're going through the publishing process, was that a long process for you? So funny enough, the writing part happened over a span of a few years because, you know, at times I would be researching a subject, but the publishing part only took about a year. Once we got that into place, it took about 10 months to a year and it was out and ready to go. After all that time and work that you put into it, what was it like when you finally got the first hard copy in and you got to hold this thing for the first time? Oh, I was so excited. I was so excited just to know that people would be able to grasp God's Word at their level with their level of understanding. What are the chances we'll see more? Maybe a follow-up to this or more writing in the future? So I have another book out already. It's called Sin Desires You. And so my thoughts of writing is just continue. I'll definitely be writing more books and a continuation of this one, probably not, only because this book kind of, it encapsulates all that's needed for what it set out to do. I also put in there a way for people to contact me. And so like literally if a person had any follow-up questions, they could contact me directly. Hmm. I know a lot of readers are going to be blessed by this book, and I encourage my listeners to check it out. The title is Timeless Beings. It's written by Andrew J. Miller, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can grab it anywhere, like at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. 
Well, Pastor Drew, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you, sir. I had a nice time talking to you as well. This is a book that will bring a message of hope to everyone who reads it. The title is From the Soul of My Rubber Boots, and the author is Kimberly Dawson Hodson. I'm really happy Kimberly is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to chat all about the book. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you. I'm really glad to have you here. Can you tell me what readers are in store for with From the Soul of My Rubber Boots? Well, it's 25 short stories. They're my short stories. They're true miracle stories that are near and dear to my heart. And these stories happened to me over the past seven years during the journey of my late husband when he was battling cancer and uh, going through all of those things. And in the midst of that, I had a sudden death of my little brother. Oh, sorry. And these stories happened on my farm with my little animals, and they're amazing, true miracle stories. And the thread through this book is I get these gut feelings or these promptings to go outside. One example is I woke up in the middle of the night at midnight, and I had a prompting to go outside and check my goats at midnight. So I did. I went outside, and the goat was in the middle of labor, and she was in trouble. And I was able to save her and the baby. And they're just amazing miracle moments of really crazy, adventurous, life and death kind of amazing stories that bring hope. And they brought me lots and lots of hope when I was in such a sad place, trying to help my late husband battle the cancers that he had. Mm. You mentioned the farm and the animals, and now the cover is making a lot more sense to me. Can you go into that? Sure. Actually, the first story in this book is about this goat that is on the cover with me. Her name is Daisy. She was my first milking goat that I got. And the first story is all about how I got her. But as I got her, the day that I got her was only a few days after my late husband was actually healed from one of his bouts of cancer. So we were so happy. And we went and I got my miracle goat after we got our miracle, you know, healing of his cancer. And I dreamed of having a milking goat. And I brought her home. And then a few days later, I got the message that my little brother died. And um, this goat, Daisy, was the reason I got up out of the bed every day because I had to go milk her. She needed me. And I would go out and, you know, she'd put her head on my shoulder and I would milk and I would cry and I would ask, you know, why? Why did this happen? But as I would go and sit with her and I would milk her every day, I'd get more and more peace. And she really helped me on my journey and helped me to start listening to the gut feelings and the promptings, to notice things around me and those little things. If we pay attention, we can see miracle things instead of getting caught up in just our day-to-day routines. This book is full of amazing, true stories of feeling prompted to go and do something. And I, you know, I'll find something amazing happen on the farm. And I have goats and chickens and rabbits and horses. And Daisy is on the cover because she kind of started it all that, that day. Wow. What was that moment like for you, Kimberly, whenever you finally got the first physical copy of this book in and you got to hold and look at this thing that you've put so much into? It was really so, I was so deeply thankful. It was so heartfelt because this book is it's me being very vulnerable about my journey through my late husband and my little brother's passing, and especially the challenges of his cancer. And this is me, and this is these are my true stories. And 
it's one thing to see my patients respond and feel hope, but now it's in a book. And my purpose of this book is I want to bring, I really want it to bring hope to people. I want these stories to bring hope to people the way these stories brought hope to me, because this is how I made it through the saddest parts of my life. Mm. And each story at the end of it, there's a gift of hope in it. And the, the, the essence of this book is it's true. And the thread through it again is listening to those gut feelings and those promptings. Well, I know this book is, in fact, going to bring an awful lot of people a lot of hope. And I encourage my listeners to definitely check it out. The title is From the Soul of My Rubber Boots. It's by Kimberly Dawson Hodson. And it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can pick it up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshops. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much again for joining me here on the show and telling me your story and about everything that went into From the Soul of My Rubber Boots. I really enjoyed our time together tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Author Marlena DeMarco Hogan just released the next book in her series of children's books, The Growing Up Years. This one's called Growing Up in the Pasta Zone. I'm really happy that Marlena is right here with me now and we get to talk all about it. Marlena, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here. Can you tell me all about growing up in the pasta zone? Yes, thank you. It's one of these five storybooks that I've developed. This is the fourth, and it is dedicated to my two nephews and son and describes a family tradition of making pasta sauce once a year. And we used to do it in my parents' backyard for about 30 years, and it was a very exciting, anticipated event. Hard work, lots of fun, whole weekend, and it was the inspiration for this storybook pasta zone. Hmm. And what sorts of readers do you think would be most into the series? The series pinpoints activities of little ones, young children, and I see it as a book that would be read to one to five-year-olds and perhaps a, a nice beginning book for early readers, five to eight years old. Hmm. The activities are outdoor fun at the beach, in the backyard, different things children do with family, with friends. Hmm. And when you get started on one of these books in this series, Marlena, about how long does it take you to write and then put through all those publishing processes? Well, the first one, Growing Up in the Dragonfly Zone, which is a love poem to my son, that's where it all began. Uh, and it didn't take very long to put together for me to put it down in words. And then I put together a few illustrations to go along, and I was lucky the year that I went searching for a publisher, Newman Springs just began actually in 2018, and uh, I submitted my work to them. And it took about, I believe, six or seven months for the whole process in which began with submission and acceptance and then all the different phases of the process, including the illustrations, which their artists did a wonderful job in putting my little stick figures to life. <laughs> Marlena, what's it like when you finally do get one of your books in, the physical copy in for the first time, and you get to look at it and hold it for the first time? It must be a special moment for you. I feel as though, just like the in the storybook Pinocchio, my little stick figures did come to life. <laughs> they were not animated as they became so with, with the publication. 
So I, I really saw a beautiful end, an end goal develop. Mm. And I understand that the next book, the final book in this series, will be coming up soon. So do you have plans to write beyond that? These storybooks came to me one at a time. The second being growing up in the splash zone, story about my childhood. The third growing up in the medieval time zone, story my mother told about when she was back in her small town in Italy, mm. working on this project with her father and brother with a little donkey she used to bring up sand to the castle they were mending. And this final book, Growing Up in the Tyrone Zone, came to me also easily reminiscing the, the stories told at the family table at holidays, my father's story while he was a young boy making torrone, an Italian holiday candy, mm. and the process that went into it. So these stories, this series is done. I know that my mind has no more stories <laughs> in the growing up years to present as far as I could tell. But I have been writing since I was young poetry. And I do have a few more children's stories, one already developed, another coming to me. I think I will continue writing, hopefully. Well, I really think that children and families will really enjoy this book, this whole series. This one's called Growing Up in the Pasta Zone. It's written by Marlena DeMarco Hogan, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can find it everywhere, like at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Marlena, it's been wonderful talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me on the show and telling me all about this work. I hope we can get together again sometime soon. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And yes, they are available in local stores. And that has been one of my other pleasures is connecting with local community people and store owners and having that experience with them. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.